Hello and welcome to Camel Screen Guild Players from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The Golf Screen Guild Theater. The director of the Golf Theater and your host, Roger Pryor. Good evening, everybody. Your neighborhood good golf dealer and the Gulf Oil Companies again welcome you to the Gulf Theater. Another great cast for you tonight. You'll meet Vinnie Barnes, Hedda Hopper, Adolf Manju, Robert Montgomery, and, as usual, Oscar Bradley and his Gulf Orchestra. And here's the result of my news gathering at rehearsal this morning. It seems that Vinnie Barnes is not only a real swing fan, a jitterbug at heart, but she plays a hot drum in Ben Heck's newly formed amateur swing band. Also discovered that Adolf Manju is considered one of America's foremost authorities on stamp collecting. What's more, this country's eight million stamp collectors might be interested in knowing that Adolf got a very rare stamp yesterday, the only superb used copy of an Orangeburg coil in existence. And say, uh, talking about hobbies, Bob Montgomery's is coming in mighty handy these days. Bob, you know, spends his spare time studying criminology and the quirks of the criminal mind, which is just about perfect, because in his new MGM picture, The Earl of Chicago... Bob portrays a Chicago gangster who has the unusual experience of becoming an English Earl. And now, as the curtain goes up, Oscar Bradley's Gulf Orchestra opens our show with two grand tunes by Noel Coward. Dance, Little Lady, and the unforgettable I'll Follow My Secret Heart from Conversation Piece. gentlemen is by Noel Coward. But before we begin, I'd like you to meet the cast of characters. First, Vinnie Barnes. I play the part of Louise Chotter. Adolf Maggio. 
I play the part of Louise's husband, Hubert Charteris. Hedda Hopper. I'm Clara, Hubert's sister. Robert Montgomery. I'm Carl Sands, unattached. And John Carty. Well, I'm not really in tonight's play, but right now I'm playing the part of spokesman for the man who helps make this play and all the entertainment in the golf theater possible. Your neighborhood good golf dealer. And although I could tell you a lot about your golf dealer, his actions when he services your car will speak louder than anything I can say. Notice how friendly your golf dealer's smile is when he welcomes you to his station. See how careful he is to fill your tank without spilling gasoline on the finish and how clean he wipes your windshield and headlamps. Little actions like these tell you beyond doubt that there's something special about that good golf service just as there is about those swell good golf products. And one thing more. Have you seen that perfectly swell picture page in the Golf Funny Weekly with interesting facts about the famous movie stars that appear on the golf theater? Well, it's well worth a look just for the inside dope it gives on how Hollywood lives at home. So stop tomorrow where you see the golf orange disc, get a copy of the free Golf Funny Weekly, meet your friend, the good golf dealer, and get some of that good golf service. Thank you, John Conley. And now, as stage manager, I call for lights. Music. play tonight is a bit of intimate eavesdropping on four charming people. The place is India, and from the native quarter a love song is carried through the throbbing darkness by an ardent wind from off the China Sea. The mad dogs have slunk off to the brush, but the Englishmen who are out in the midday sun have changed to white mess jackets and are dancing at the club. on the deserted lounge, a man and woman come dancing in as though they've never been apart. The music stopped. Yes, I know. You shouldn't keep on holding me like this. You want me to let you go? No. Someone was kissed in this room not long ago. How do you know? I can feel it. It's in the air. Two people who suddenly found themselves in love, like you and me. He said, I love you, and kissed her, like this. Oh, my darling. Louise. Oh, dearest. My own. Louise. Did you say something? No, I thought you did. No. <gasps> darling. Sweetheart. kissing your wife. Well, I don't know. He isn't even a member of the club. <laughs> Louise. What? Oh, oh, it's you, Hubert. Louise, really? Well, really what, Clara? Uh, friends of yours, I take it. Oh, excuse me, yes. This is my husband. Your husband? Yes, I'm afraid I didn't catch your name. Carl, Carl Sands. <laughs> Mr. Sands, my husband, Hubert Charters. How do you do? How do you do? And my sister-in-law, Mrs. Clara Bessel. Charles. A pleasure. If Mr. Sands will excuse you, the car's here, Louise. I think we'd better go if you're ready. I'm not ready, Hubert. Oh, do come along, Louise. I can't go, Clara. Really, I can't. Louise, please. This is most embarrassing. 
And I'm afraid I must insist that you come home. But, Mr., Mr. Sands, Carl Sands. Thank you. Mr. Sands and I have fallen in love. Really, deeply in love. I would prefer not to discuss yours and my wife's feelings towards each other, Mr. Sands. Oh, but that's silly, Hubert. Come, Louise. I told you. I can't. Uh, suppose we all have a drink. Oh, good Lord. Oh, don't snort that way, Hubert. I think it's a good idea. And we might also sit down. Uh, please. Uh, listen, Louise. Yes, Clara? You're a married woman. You can't behave like this. It's too idiotic. Oh, Clara. Can't you see? It's true. Oh, don't be so foolish. What's true? We're in love. That's what's true. Really it is, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh... Bethel, I told you once. Uh, we're really in love, Mrs. Bethel. I don't believe it. I appeal to you, Mr. Sands. Please go away. Oh, go away at once. That's quite impossible. I detest scenes, and I'm finding this very unpleasant, Mr. Sands. Uh, will you kindly leave the club and never speak to my wife again in any circumstances, whatever? Oh, it's more important than that, Hubert. Really, it is. It's the most important thing that has ever happened to me in my whole life, Mr. Charteris. One small, Louise, for the last time. Will you come home? No, Hubert, I can't. Very well. Come along, Clara. No, wait, wait. You can't go either. Please let go of my arm, Louise, and don't be ridiculous. Look at me. Look closely. I've been your wife for 13 years. You're wise and intelligent, and you know me well. Look at me. Please go, Mr. Sands. No. I'm looking at you, Louise. Well, don't you see? Yes, I see. Come in, Clara. Good night, Mr. Sands. Good night. Now, come along, Louise. Oh, don't be silly, Clara. I'm not being silly. I'm acutely uncomfortable. Oh, you're behaving abominably. For heaven's sake, pull yourself together and be reasonable. You talk a lot of nonsense about being in love with this man. How could you possibly be in love all in a minute like this? But we are, Mrs. Bethel. Please be quiet, Mr. Sands, and let me speak. Oh, Hubert, do make Clara shut up. Shut up, Clara. Oh, I'm ashamed of you. I'm ashamed of you, Hubert. Well, it's no use railing and roaring, Clara. Hubert's much wiser than you. He's keeping calm and trying to understand, and I'm deeply grateful to him. Grateful indeed. Yes, indeed. If, you, if he'd behaved as you seem to think he ought to behave, it would only make everything far worse. I suppose you want him to knock Mr... What was your first name? Carl. Carl in the jaw. I don't want anything of the sort. I want him to treat the situation as it should be treated, as nothing but a joke. A stupid joke. An extremely bad taste. <laughs> it's more than that, Clara. And you know it is. That's why you're scared. Not in the least scared. You'd better allow me to deal with this, Clara, in my own way. You know, there is such a thing as being too wise, too understanding, Hubert. Oh, you're usually pretty intelligent yourself, Clara. I can't think what's happened to you. This thing is here, now, between Carl and me. It's no use pretending it isn't or trying to flip it away as a joke. Nor is it any use taking up a belligerent attitude over it. I'm confused enough myself. Utterly, utterly bewildered. But I do know that it's real. What is real? Love, Mrs. Bethel. We've fallen in love. Rubbish. It's not rubbish. Louise. Yes, Hubert? As your husband, what do you want me to do? I don't know, Hubert. <clears throat> May I ask you a question? What is it, Sands? Are you in love with your wife? Well, really. Be quiet, Clara. I'm devoted to Louise. We've been married for many years. No, no, no. I said, are you in love with her? I love her. Oh, don't go on evading, Hubert. You know perfectly well what Carl means. But of course I know what he means. I'll answer truly. I am not in love with Louise in the way that you imagine yourself to be in love with her. I worship her. You know nothing about her. I know that suddenly when we were dancing, an enchantment swept over me. An enchantment that I have never known before and shall never know again. It's obvious that you should think I'm mad and that she's mad too. Our behavior looks idiotic, cheap, anything you like. But it's true, this magic that's happened. It's so true that everything else, all the ordinary ways of behavior, look shabby and unreal beside it. My heart's thumping. I'm trembling like a fool. Even now, and I'm trying so hard, so desperately hard, to be calm and explain to you reasonably, I daren't look at her, for if I did, my eyes would brim over with these silly tears and I should cry like a child. Oh, my darling. Don't, don't speak. Let your husband speak. Let him say what's to be done. 
How do I know what's to be done? Perhaps if I step out on the balcony, they'll help you. He's so considerate. Oh, Clara, do stop facing up and down. It's no use huffing and puffing and getting yourself into a state. Here it is. This thing has happened. It's terribly real. And we'd all better look at it clearly and as sensibly as we can. We'd better go away, Carl and I, as soon as possible. Go away? Where to? I don't know, Hubert, anywhere. Oh, for heaven's sakes, be reasonable. You're my wife. How can you? How can I let you? Well, how much do you mind, really? Well, that obviously has nothing to do with it. But I want to know. I want to know, too. You've made this up, this magic that he talked about. You've conjured it out of the air, and it's smeared over everything. Over me, too. None of it seems real, but it has to be treated as if it were. You ask me how much I mind. You want that as well, don't you? In addition to your new love. Want what? What do you mean? You want me to mind, don't you? Don't you? Oh, Hubert, please don't look like that. You want everything. Everything in the world you always have. Oh, you're pitying yourself. How beastly of you to be so weak. How contemptible of you. Louise. Hubert. I've been faithful to you all these years. We stopped being in love with each other ages ago. We became a habit. A well-ordered, useful, social habit. Hubert. Louise. Oh, do stop saying Hubert and Louise Claire. It's maddening. Please, please. Do you mind if I help you get to the point? You and your wife are not in love with each other anymore. That's clear enough. And even if you were, this forked lightning that has struck Louise and me would shatter it. Scorch it out of existence. Forked lightning indeed, Mr. Sands. Earthquake, then, Mrs. Bethel. Tidal wave. Cataclysm. Uh, Louise, I've never not loved you. Well, I know that, Hubert. I'm deeply attached to you, too. With your heart? Oh, of course not. Don't be so sentimental. You haven't come near my heart for years. If Hubert doesn't strike you in a minute, I will. Oh, Clara. Listen, Charteris, I know you won't believe me or even care. But I really am dreadfully sorry about all this. Not about falling in love. That's beyond being sorry about. But that it should happen to be your wife. Who are you, Sands? Where do you come from? Hampshire. My father is Admiral Sands. Dear darling, I wouldn't mind if you were only a bosun's mate. I know you wouldn't, sweetheart, but I must explain to your husband... How you can have the impertinence to be flippant, Louise, at a moment like this... There's never been a moment like this, Clara. Never before in the history of the world. I'm delirious. Please go on, Mr. Sands. I was in the Navy myself, but I was axed in 1924. What's axed? Kicked out, darling. Oh, dear. Whatever for? Oh, never mind that. I'm now I understand. In, go I'm on, now in the shipping business. I represent the IMCL. What in the name of heaven is the IMCL? Imperial Million China Line. Passenger and freight. Yes, I know. So I've come from Singapore. I've been interviewing our agents in Pendala. Little John Thurston and Company? Little John Thurston and Company. Oh, Little John Thurston and Company, Clara. I flew up here on the morning plane because I wanted to see a little of the country before I sail on Wednesday. Wednesday? Uh, Sands, are you married? I was, but we were divorced in 1927. Oh, Carl. Did you love her? Yes, of course I did. Oh, the moment's changed. I'm not delirious anymore. I can't think of you ever having loved anybody else. What was her name? Aileen. You mean Eileen? No, I do not. I mean Aileen. A-Y-L-E-E-N. Aileen. Very affecting. But it's you I love, Louise, more than anyone in the world, past or future. Oh, God. Oh, please, please, just a moment, both of you. Yes, I'm sorry, Charteris. That was inconsistent. I'm trying to be as detached as possible, Sands. It isn't easy. I know it isn't. It's beastly for you, Charteris. I do see that. Oh, you're all being so charming to each other. It's positively nauseating. Dear Mrs. Bethel. I beg your pardon? I said, dear Mrs. Bethel, because I admire your integrity enormously, and I do hope when all this is blown over, we shall be close friends. Blown over? Oh, God. Darling, I didn't mean that part of it. I have something to say to my wife. Will everybody please be quiet for a moment? Louise, this man whom you so abruptly love says he's sailing on Wednesday. Yes, on the Euripides. Oh, but the Euripides goes to Australia. I have to interview our agents in Sydney. Oh, we'll have to go on another boat, Carl. The MacVitties will be on the Euripides, and I simply can't travel with them. Do you really mean to go with this man? Yes, Hubert. Oh, you're stark staring mad, all of you. Hubert, for goodness sake... Uh, Louise, how real is this to you? Oh, Hubert, don't be too kind. Will it be worth it? Oh, yes. 
Yes, yes, of course it will. It must. But how do you know so surely, so soon? Oh, we were dancing, and somebody introduced us. I can't remember who. We never heard each other's name. It was a war. And in the middle of it, we looked at each other. He said just now it was forked lightning, an earthquake, a tidal wave, cataclysm, but it was more. More than all those things, much more. My heart stopped. And with it, the world stopped, too. There was no more land, sea, or sky. There wasn't even any music. I saw in his eyes a strange infinity, just him and me, together, forever, and ever, and ever. Oh! Good heavens! She's fainted. Louise, darling, put her here on the divan. Get some water. In this club? Where? Raise her feet. Lower her head. Rub her hands. Don't just stand there. I say, I say, listen. Good Godfrey, it's the national anthem. Louise, Louise, darling. I believe she's coming too. Help her to her feet, Sands. Louise, Louise, old girl. It's God save the king. And I'm tired. Oh, we're all tired, Clara. Would you like a sandwich, Louise? There are three left. No, thank you, Hugh, but they're filthy. Well, then I'll have one if you don't mind. What time does your plane leave, Sands? 7.30. It's now quarter to six. Then I'll meet you at the boat on Wednesday, Carl. Oh, dear, I do wish we didn't have to go to Australia. New Zealand's lovely, they say. Is it? Yes, but unfortunately, I have many agents in New Zealand. Oh. I shall have to write and tell Mother about us. I'm afraid it will be dreadfully muddling for her. Sir, jolly well right. Why, Hubert, you've never been unchivalrous about Mother before. Well, now that you're running off with Sands, the situation has changed. Without wishing to wound you, Louise, I should like to take this opportunity of saying that your mother lacks oh, charm to a remarkable degree. Oh, Hubert. This morning, you seem to have discussed everything except where you lived as a girl. I do hope, Carl, you're not going to turn out to be testy. Oh, we must go home, Hubert. Have you forgotten that the Fenix are coming to play golf at night? Oh, so they are, Clara. Well, Louise... I don't suppose we'll be seeing you and Mr. Sands again. Well, you might come and see us off on the boat. Oh, not on Wednesday. I promised to up country for a bit of shooting. Goodbye. Try to make my wife happy, won't you? I'll do my best. Thank you. Come along, Clara. I wish my husband were alive. Why? Because he'd horsewhip you and I should enjoy it immensely. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Coming, Clara. I'm coming, Hubert. <sighs> oh, dear. I feel as if I'd been run over. Dearest. Don't call. Don't what? Don't call me dearest. Not for just a minute. I love you so. <laughs> you know, you usually can see Sumatra from here on the balcony at this time in the morning. I don't want to see Sumatra. Carl, are you happy? Wildly happy, are you? Dear Carl. What's the matter, Louise? You're pretending splendidly. Oh, now, don't talk like that, my sweet. It's unkind. Aileen would be proud of you. That was worse than unkind. Where is it? Our moment. What's happened to the magic? Yes, I see. Dance with me a minute. Very well. No, no, it doesn't quite go over, does it? Of course, the music makes a great difference. There isn't always music. 
And moonlight. Moonlight doesn't last. See? Over there where Sumatra should be. The sun's coming up. There's music for us. The wrong sort. Kiss me. My dear. You see? It's the joke's on us. It was a nice joke while it lasted. Don't talk like that. It sounds so depressing. What's the name of your agents in Sydney? Eldridge, Lincoln, and Barrett. Give them my love. You mean it's over? I mean it's morning. Ah, uh, we shouldn't have waited. No, we shouldn't have waited. Goodbye, Carl. Goodbye. I shall always remember you. Thank you. Boy, human. He'll be so perplexed, but so happy. Why, George, she was right. You can see Sumatra from here on a clear morning. Penny Farms, Hedda Hopper, Adolf Manju, and Robert Montgomery. That was really a splendid job. And now, ladies and gentlemen, while Benny and Bob get ready to spring a little surprise on you, I'd like to tell you why you meet all your favorite stars here in the Gulf Theater. It's simply this. The Gulf Theater is the star's own theater. Because every single cent that Gulf would ordinarily give to the stars who appear here is given instead to meet the needs of the Motion Picture Relief Fund and to build a home for the members of the picture industry who can no longer provide for themselves. <laughs> Every week here in the Gulf Theater, we give the stars a chance to do the things they don't get to do on the screen. Well, tonight we've really let ourselves in for it, for with very little encouragement, Benny Barnes is going to do an old coward song she used to do in the London music halls, and Bob Montgomery's going to make it a duet, or something. Don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs. Worthington. Don't put your daughter on the stage. The profession is overcrowded, and the struggle's pretty tough. And admitting the fact she's burning to act, that isn't quite enough. She has nice hands to give the wretched girl her due. But don't you think her feet are too developed for her age? I repeat, Mrs. Worthington. Sweet, Mrs. Worthington. Don't put your daughter on the stage. Regarding yours, dear Mrs. Worthington. Of Wednesday, the 23rd. Although your baby may be keen on a stage career... Well, how can I make it clear? That this is not a good idea. For her to hope, dear Mrs. Worthington, is on the face of it very absurd. Her personality is not in reality. Inviting enough, exciting enough for this particular sphere. So don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs. Worthington. Don't put your daughter on the stage. Though they said at the school of acting she was lovely as Pierre Gint. I'm afraid on the whole an ingenue role might emphasize her squint. She's a big girl, and though her teeth are fairly good... She's not the type I ever would be eager to engage. No, no more but, Mrs. Mrs. Worthington, not Mrs. Worthington. Don't put your daughter on the stage. Thanks, Miss Benny and Bob. And now, ladies and gentlemen, all our stars in front of the curtain ready to take part in our weekly feature, The Gulf Question Box. Remember, they must answer the questions correctly or pay any forfeit I name. Last week, for instance, Jimmy Cagney missed, and he had to imitate a baby crying for its milk. All right, let's go. Well, fellas, I don't wish you any hard luck, but I do hope you miss on account of Rod sticks up some terrific forfeits. <laughs> Johnny Conti, you're a meanie. Why, Benny, you cut me to the quick. 
I'm really a nice guy at heart. Little puppy dogs wag their tails when they see me. And what's more, if I were asking the questions, they'd really be a cinch. Well, I bet they would. What would you ask, for instance? Well, I'd ask, um, Vinny, what do you think of the new cars for 1940? Oh, they're perfectly beautiful. There, you see. Now, wasn't that easy? You didn't even have to think twice. Well, no one would have to think twice to answer that question because the 1940 automobiles are some of the finest cars that ever rolled off an assembly line. And, ladies and gentlemen, whether or not this is your year to buy a new car, you certainly want modern, up-to-the-minute performance from the family automobile. Now, that means that if your car is a 40, 39, 38, or if it was built within the last five years, you must use a modern gasoline. Now, maybe you've tried various gasolines and found that most of them are good. Well, they are. But when you try Gulf No Knox, we believe that you will notice a difference an extra measure of satisfaction. You see, Gulf No Knox has been raised to such a high-octane rating that it ends motor knocks under all normal driving conditions. As a result, your engine sounds quieter, the flow of power is smoother, almost as though you'd added a couple of extra cylinders. So won't you stop tomorrow at your good Gulf dealers and prove to yourself that Gulf No Knox is the knock-proof gasoline. Thank you, John Conti. And now the first question goes to Miss Benny Barnes, star of the 20th Century Fox picture, Daytime Wife. Ready, Benny? All right, Roger, far away. Well, now, your question is an easy one, Benny. Name four movie actors who always wear mustaches. Oh, yes, that's easy. Um, Errol Flynn. Um, Ronald Cole- Coleman, sometimes. Uh-huh. And Errol Flynn. Yeah, and, Errol uh... and Ronald Coleman. Ro- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one and, uh, so far, Benny. Douglas Fairbanks. Douglas Fairbanks, Roger Pryor. <laughs> well, that's pretty good, but you've forgotten too many, Benny. You forgot Don Amici, Warren Williams, Cesar Romero. That's too bad, Benny. Here's your forfeit. I want you to go up and take over the drums and beat out a hot chorus or something. Oh, God. Go ahead, Benny. Oscar, will you remove the gentleman from the percussion section so Benny can give out with a little jive? Are you all ready? Here we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Benny Barnes, that was really, really some skin beating. And now the next question, the next question goes to Adolf Montague. Incidentally, Adolf has just completed work on the RKO picture. That's right, you're wrong. Adolf, tell me, why is the Academy Award called Oscar? Uh, you've got me there, Roger. Well, Betty Davis nicknamed the Academy Award statuette Oscar, and it's been called that ever since. And now for your forfeit, let me see. You must, you must growl like the MGM lion. Have you got a piece of raw meat? <laughs> Thank you, Adolf Marzio. And the next question goes to Hedda Hopper. By the way, Hedda, congratulations on that new radio series you're starting a week from Monday for Sunkist. Happy commentating. Now tell me, Hedda, while we're on the subject of Academy Awards, uh, who won it the most time? Oh, actress or actor? Well, I didn't say that. Oh, Oh, I know. Um, yeah. uh, Frank Capra. Uh-huh. It happened one night. That's Mr. Right. Deeds goes to town. Uh-huh. Um, you can't take it with you? That's right. That's oh, right, Heather. Very, very good. Thank you very much. And Frank Capra's current picture is Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Incidentally, two of its stars, Jimmy Stewart and Edward Arnold, will appear here in the Gulf Theater next week 
opposite Loretta Young. Now here's a question for Robert Montgomery. Bob, uh, who was uh, who was the last actress to win an Academy Award for a silent picture? Oh, uh, um, I I know. Oh. <laughs> I know, but I can't think. Oh, you can't think. No. Huh? You want to try? Well, I'm afraid we've got you, Bob. According to the Library of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, the last actress to win an award for a silent picture was Janet Gaynor for Seventh Heaven in the season of 1927 and 1928. Yeah, incidentally, that's right. incidentally, she was also the first winner, for that was the season the awards were started. And now let me see, Bob, for your forfeit, uh, you must read this. Now, oh. to be or... Oh, Shakespeare. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of trouble... That's enough, Bob. Well, what are you trying to do, find out if I can read? <laughs> no, I want you to repeat that now, as Jimmy Cagney would do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, let's see. <clears throat> uh, to be or not to be, that is the question. What does... <laughs> Whether it is noble in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against the sea of troubles. Ah, you wouldn't understand it anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Robert Montgomery. So next week, Edward Arnold, Jimmy Stewart, Loretta Young, Oscar Bailey, and the Self Orchestra. In the meantime, this is Roger Fryer saying good night, everybody. This is John Cotty saying good night for your neighborhood good golf deal. The Gulf Screen Guild Theater originates in Earl Carroll's Columbia Square, Hollywood. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.